Sweden and Finland both say they want to abandon decades of neutrality to join the NATO military alliance. The decision comes at a crucial moment in the war in Ukraine. Images of Ukrainian fighters, many horribly wounded, being evacuated from the Azov steelworks in Mariupol have gone around the world. In view of Russia's brutal onslaught in that city and elsewhere, it's no wonder perhaps that Sweden and Finland are seeking fast-track membership of NATO. However, that move could potentially be blocked by alliance member Turkey. So will enlargement come and what impact might it have? On to the point we ask, knocking on Putin's back door, is NATO really threatening Russia? Well, thanks very much indeed for joining us here on To The Point, where my studio guests this time round are Jessica Berlin from the German Marshall Fund, uh, Tamina Kutcher, editor-in-chief of Decoder.org, and the historian Christian Ostholt. Welcome, all three. Thank you very, very much for being here. And I'd like to begin uh, with Jessica, kick off with your views. We've... Uh, We've spoken a couple of times recently here on the show, and I had the impression initially that you were quite confident that this, co this conflict, this awful war, would die down relatively quickly. I now sense that you're more despondent about that and you're more concerned about the long-term picture. Well, I, I certainly never thought that this would be a short war, um, but one thing has been made very clear um, in the past months, that Ukraine is fighting for freedom in Europe um, as though it were a full-fledged member of the EU or NATO. Um, their resistance and um, their tactical brilliance has been remarkable, as well as the resilience of the people, the political leadership. Um, and so one thing is clear, the war will not end with a Russian victory. Okay. Uh, Tamina Kutcher, your, your introducing remarks might, want, might focus on telling us about your organisation. What does it get up to? What kind of platform is it? Mm -hmm. Well, Decoder is a platform um, translating independent Russian and Belarusian journalism into German, so opening this discourse to a German-speaking audience. Mm -hmm. And we do so also with the help of scientists um, who are writing texts on certain persons, phenomena um, mentioned in those texts yeah. for a German audience who could, doesn't could, know any of could it. Could you give us a brief example? For example, um, we, we lately translated many articles about the question of guilt. This is really a huge debate now if, if, amongst Russian liberals and also amongst Russian uh, independent journalists. And yeah, and we, we're, we're covering this debate. We are curating texts and we're translating them into German. But of course, many, many things mentioned there, like the Second Chechen War or whatever, are not so common to a German reader. So we have articles written from scientists. Actually, he, he just wrote his, his very great <laughs> pieces Christian about it. Yeah. <laughs> about this topic. Um, yeah, they explain to a German reader what this is about and what's like the, 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 the up-to-date mm -hmm. in science. Uh, you, you two were both nodding when you were talking about the, the, the notion of guilt. Why were you nodding so vigorously? Um, you know, I think guilt is um, a philosophical category, first mm -hmm. of all, and can be also discussed uh, in a court. Yeah? But Russia is imposing a system of 
violence right now in Ukraine. And it has imposed this kind of system in Chechnya as well. And that's why if we want, want to talk about guilt, I think Russia is fully guilty. It wants to crush the Ukrainian state. It wants to enslave its people. And that's why it must be stopped. This is a very dire vision indeed. You, you, you're, you're a historian of Russia. For me, that suggests that uh, there must have been a moment in your life, I guess, where you sort of fell in love with Russia, where yes. you became fascinated by it. Have you fallen out of love with Russia? Yes, uh, I think this is exactly the right description. I have been loving, loving Russia for more than 20 years. My wife is Russian. But um, after the beginning of the war, everything... Um, stopped. My feelings towards Russia turned into its opposite. I am criticizing Russian policy very, very, very often right now. And I am deeply convinced that this system, the system imposed by Vladimir Putin, has no future and it must be stopped. Okay, pretty grim stuff. We, uh, Vladimir Putin has threatened violent uh, action if the decision is taken to give accession to NATO to Sweden and Finland, or even in the case of their applying for NATO membership. That violent response hasn't come from Putin so far, but uh, let's find out a little bit about the history that is the background to the latest developments right now. It's been more than 200 years since Sweden last waged war against Napoleon. Since then, military neutrality has been both a high priority for the country and its state policy. Now, Sweden is following Finland's lead and ditching this approach to join NATO. As a member of NATO, Sweden will not only achieve more security, but also contribute to more security. We cannot trust anymore that there will be a peaceful future uh, next to Russia uh, with our own. That's why we're making the decisions to joining NATO. It's an act of peace that there would ever again be war uh, in Finland uh, in the future. Finland was invaded by the Soviet Union in the so-called Winter War from 1939 to 1940. Despite a strong resistance, the small country had to sign a peace treaty dictated by Moscow, which resulted in Finland coordinating its foreign policy with the Kremlin for decades. Now, NATO is edging even closer to Russia, all the way up to its 1,300-kilometer border with Finland. Is NATO's northern expansion a threat to Russia? Well, let me give that question to Jessica. Is, is it a threat to the northern expansion to uh, Russia and its interests? Absolutely not. Finland and Sweden are joining NATO not because they're interested in attacking Russia, but because they're afraid of attack from Russia. NATO is a defensive alliance, and the fact that the NATO alliance... NATO is a defensive alliance, end of story. A defensive alliance, yeah. yes. This, mm -hmm. is, this is in the charter of NATO. This is what NATO is for, mm. common defense. And for Sweden and Finland, uh, the fact that they have abandoned decades of, of policy towards Russia and neutrality in the NATO-Russia uh, network, this is uh, a clear sign of failure also of Putin's stated goals and aims and with his invasion of Ukraine. He said this was a response against expansion of NATO, but he's actually just made clear why this defensive alliance is still necessary. We talked about guilt. Is, is the NATO expansion, is it a completely uh, non-guilty? Is it an innocent activity, an innocent political uh, policy that has been taking place for so long? I think the um, expansion of NATO is a reaction um, to the wish, wishes of, the, of its new members. I mean, the 
they came to the NATO and said, we would like to be part of the, of the club. It was not the NATO that said, you must be part of it. Um, and that's why I think um, the Russian narrative of being surrounded by the NATO, of being even threatened, mm -hmm. it is a myth. It is a necessary myth in order to, um, to keep on lying, if you will. I mean, you do go with that? Yeah, I absolutely go with that. And this is also what many Russian commentators said already before, actually, that um, with this war, Putin wanted... Uh, Putin said that we will sh uh, Russians and Ukrainians are one nation. But what does the world see now? Ukraine is proving the whole world that it stands together as a nation against Russia, an aggressor. And the other thing Putin wanted to do with this war is to keep the NATO away, the NATO aggression or whatever. And what is happening? NATO the alliance. NATO came yeah. as close as never before to Russia. And this is what, what many Russian commentators predicted. Mm -hmm. And they, they said right from the beginning, this war is a huge mistake. And, and now, as the reaction of, of Putin is... It seems relatively mild, yeah. Um, he started a war against Ukraine, whose NATO membership was in the far, far future. Mm -hmm. And now, when Sweden and Finland are knocking right on the door of the NATO, he says, yeah, it doesn't have, it, it's not a threat, but please, be aware. Uh, so... And they say this proves that it was never about a Ukraine not joining NATO, NATO this mm -hmm. war. It was always about, yeah, Ruskimir, the Russian world, the imperial uh, wish of Russia, and who, who simply doesn't want Ukraine to be a, a cultural and political independent state moving west. Let me add something to that, please. You know, Vladimir Putin, or the Kremlin, has published an essay written by Vladimir Putin last year. It was in, in June Famously, 2021. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And we historians, we, we were like, okay, there's a president who wrote an essay. Never mind, no problem. But after the beginning of the war, the essay um, came out as what it was. It is an ideological manifest of a guy who wants to redraw the map. And Putin said there very clearly that there cannot be an independent Ukrainian state as a political entity which is somehow not connected to Russia. So he deeply believes that Ukrainian people are Russian people. I'm talking about the so-called TRIU nation, Belarus, um, Ukraine, Russia. And that's why he has to show them who they really are. And he's actually doing this by force. OK, let's, um, we're talking about Vladimir Putin and, and his response to the latest developments about the Scandinavian bid to join NATO. Let's just uh, hear a little bit of his reaction to that move, which was pretty unexpected. Here we go. Finland, Sweden. Russia has no problems with these countries. Therefore, any NATO expansion involving these countries does not pose a direct threat to us. However, expansion of military infrastructure to these areas will undoubtedly provoke backlash from us. Tamina, there are those who say we should always take Vladimir Putin at his word. There are those who say we should never take Vladimir Putin at his word. What's your response to that comment when you hear it? Do you, take, do you believe what he's saying? Well, I think, as I said before, this reaction seems quite 
mild. And I think he knows that he, he actually doesn't have any chance. Of course, he's crying now. He's calling his buddy in Turkey. He will visit Erdogan, who also has yeah, some, some interest in meeting him and... and, and um, trying uh, to, 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 yeah, to meet interests. But no, I, I think, yeah, it, it, actually he doesn't know what to do. He, he simply, he knows he has to accept it. Well, OK, his deputy foreign minister, Sergei Ryabkov, came out and told Russian news agencies there is another grave mistake being made here with far-reaching consequences. So there is some very, very hard talking going on there. That's more what we would have expected. What are those consequences or what may they be? Actually, I'm not quite sure about it. I mean, what can he do? Does he want to start another war where the Russian forces are being defeated almost daily? Mm. I mean, what we're seeing right now in Ukraine is embarrassing somehow. I mean, the myth that um, we have all, let's say, um, bought in the West that the Soviet Union and its army and the, the Russian Federation was so, so strong, I mean, came out to be wrong. And the Finnish Winter War proved it already when they had so big losses and casualties. You, you say these, uh, the setback has been embarrassing for Vladimir Putin, but he is still in the driving seat in the car. He's the person we're, we're trying to work out where, yeah. what, 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 what his map has on it and where he's leading us. You know, oh, maybe, of course. I, I, I don't think that he has a map. I don't think that he um, initially planned to um, conquer, if you will, Ukraine within five days. Mm -hmm. They would put the Russian flag on the Maidan, everything would be over. Uh, as we know, it didn't work out, and now I think they really don't know where they want to go. They cannot, let's say, um, conquer Ukraine. They are not capable of it. So at least they will try to incorporate the eastern and southern regions of the country into the Russian Federation. But I am quite sure that they start to, uh, to, to see that it's maybe not even possible for them to do that. So that makes him, him, him more dangerous even. But there is no plan which they are uh, leading Jessica, is Vladimir Putin, as many people say, his own worst enemy? Has he, has he manoeuvred himself into a position where people are too loyal and, or too scared to actually tell him the truth? It looks like it. Vladimir Putin has completely isolated himself from any kind of practical criticism. Um, there were even fears at the beginning of the war that he didn't know and wasn't getting the information of the reality of the battleground defeats that the troops, um, the Russian troops are facing. So uh, now, um, almost three months into the war, uh, it seems clear that he knows that they're losing. And the fact that he gave such a tepid response to Finland and Sweden's NATO application uh, underscores that. He knows there's nothing he can do. Even if he wanted to move troops to the Finnish border and to threaten them, they're not available. Um, the logistics of the Russian military have been shown to be incredibly weak. Um, they're already tied up in Ukraine and uh, they could not... Um, at this point, even uh, even try to threaten Finland or Sweden. Uh, but I think also, more broadly, um, this move by Finland and Sweden shows how this war is already going to reshape the entire security landscape in Europe and beyond. This is, in terms of its long-term impact, already going to be a world war of sorts, not in terms necessarily of the reach of the military conflict, mm -hmm. but in terms of the impact in reshaping the global order. Christian, can you, can you tell us more about that? I basically agree on that. Um, Russia has highly overestimated itself. Um, and I think the key for understanding this is Vladimir Putin himself. 
Vladimir Putin considered his colleagues in the West losers. They, they are talking about anything which seems not to be so important for, for him. And he was completely convinced that there would not be um, a strong reaction. I'm quite sure if, if he had known that there would be sanctions imposed on Russia, that there would be um, a strong NATO speaking with one voice, he mm-hmm. never had um, made the decision and made the decision to, to attack Ukraine. And, uh, in, in, that, in that respect, the West got it all wrong because they were sending signals of vulnerability. Yes, exactly. You remember, for example, the Bundeskanzler, yeah, when, when the Chancellor of Germany, he will, um, in, the, in the first days or weeks, he came out with an announcement like, OK, what we're not going to do, we're not going to do this, that. If you, if you, if you listen to Misha Khodorkovsky, on, uh, he said that um, Putin is some, something like a thug. He's an agent, he's an he's a even gangster, he said. Mm-hmm. Yeah? And mm-hmm. if a, a very aggressive guy approaches you and you start to tell him what you won't do, this is not very, very smart, actually. So what I want to say is basically that we, as a West, we need to stay strong. We need to communicate what we are going to do if, and we need to draw red lines. And that's why the decision of Sweden and Finland um, of wanting to join the NATO is completely consequent and right. Okay. Well, for, let's go from one strongman, as, uh, as it is sometimes said, to another. And uh, Echeb Tayyip Erdogan is uh, the leader of an established uh, NATO member that has been doing all it can to profit from the current situation. Here's what it sounds like. Sweden is a breeding ground for terrorist organizations. Most importantly... We cannot say yes to NATO membership for those who impose sanctions on Turkey in the midst of this process. NATO is a security organization. Tamina, can Recep Tayyip Erdogan block the bid by the two Scandinavian nations to uh, get accession to NATO? Well, I don't think so. I think, I mean, he, he's trying now to, I don't know, to, to negotiate with, with NATO, of course, to, yeah, to, to, to see if, if, if there are any common interests also maybe with Putin or with NATO and to, 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 to profit from this whole debate and process. But he cannot stop it. And actually in Russia, nobody's really... Uh, very surprised that Putin is now meeting his buddy Erdogan, but no one thinks that this will change anything in the end. On the contrary, um, for the first time on public television, there was a former military general um, speaking out to a million, million people audience uh, who said actually that this war is lost, that we, Russia has to stop this war. Of course, this is only a short moment now, and we need many of those moments, and we need, it, we need Shaigu, to the, to the defense minister, to tell Putin this. But still, there is already this moment. There are already these moments of criticism, criticism within Russia. And I think it is because there is a huge concern uh, amongst some military experts who dare to speak out that this war is lost and that it has to stop. What, what can you tell us, Christian? You, you, you have your contacts to Russia. What, what, what are people saying to each other? How cagey, how, how cautious are they being at this point in time? You know, I think at home, people quite, know quite well what is, going, uh, what is happening right now, yeah? That 
there is no denazification and all of that stuff. This is a war. But of course, they cannot talk about this in public. Putin himself imposed um, very, very rude laws. I mean, if you are going to talk about it and criticize it, you can go to jail for 15 years in Russia. This is something completely new. So the people basically know what's going to happen, but it is somehow part of the tradition not to say publicly. You indicated earlier, because of your experience in, in Chechnya, you're a real expert, you've written a lot about it. What does, what does that, how does that help us to understand what's going on now and what might happen next? I think um, uh, looking at Chechnya somehow like, uh, take a look at the future maybe, because the system of violence I was talking uh, about in the first minutes of our show yeah. um, could be imposed in Ukraine as well. And this will mean... Um, uh, a horrible, horrible time and terror being imposed by state in, in, in the south or in the east of Ukraine. Russia is sometimes described as an evil empire. Is, yes, that Reagan, use, yeah. is that useful in any way? I mean, it's polemics, isn't it? I mean, it was Reagan who, who said that the Soviet Union was the empire of evil. I mean, OK, it's quite funny, but it should not be, uh, let's say, an argument for anything. Yeah, but Christian, you recently, I, I saw, it caught my eye that you wrote a text where you said states are neither good nor evil. All they do is to pursue their vital interests. Yes, um, that's true, but we have, to, we have to see that Vladimir Putin actually is willed to do this by the use of force. And this makes everything completely different. That's why Russia's a power, isn't it? What would you say, Jessica, about what's going on in the minds of people in, in Russia at the moment as they see... The, the, do, do, they, do, do we know that they... Do, no. people, do, do people properly know about what's going on with the, with the Scandinavian deal, with the extension of NATO? Look, I would, I would put forward that theorising about what's going on in the heads of the Russian people yeah. mm-hmm. is not even really the question or the issue at okay. hand right okay. now. Right now, the only thing that matters in the immediacy of this war is swift victory for Ukraine. Yes. This is what we need to focus our political energy on, our economic power what's, what's, on. What's the timeline when you refer to sort of swift well, action, successful? We're, we're moving at the speed of war. Nobody can anticipate um, what is going to happen next. And the point is, swift means as soon as possible. There's not a, a deadline on it. But what we do know is that the quicker the supply chains can move to deliver European and American weapons to Ukraine, to enable the military to resupply, um, also to enable Ukrainian grain and agricultural exports to leave the country, to keep medical supplies coming in, we need to make absolutely clear to Russia that this is a losing battle and that the longer the war goes on, the more Russia will suffer and basically incentivize Russia, deter Russia from continuing and get them to draw back. That needs to be the goal. And I fear that the, the trauma and the shame and the guilt um, of having been the aggressor nation that Russia and the Russian people will feel, we in Germany understand this very well. Um, even uh, almost 80 years after the war, we still grapple with, um, with the legacy of our crimes in World War II. Yeah. And when the, bo- when the bombs have stopped, then we can have this conversation of how do the Russians feel and how do we mm. somehow bring them back into the international community. But um, for, for me, um, both as a citizen and as an analyst, um, I, I think the focus needs to be on Ukrainian victory. That's absolutely right, because it's really hard to tell what do Russians think now. I mean, we have surveys, but 
who would speak out frankly in an authoritarian system. We have huge propaganda and disinformation, and not only since the war started, but it started a long time before already. So I think it's really hard to tell what people think. And if you ask them on the street, they will answer anything they heard in the news the day before. Um, but maybe when you sit in the kitchen or when you write um, with a messenger, like Signal or whatever, uh, they might tell you something completely. Differently. You know, so it's kind of a black box yeah. what people in Russia really think. I think, but still we must see that there are many people supporting Putin in of Russia. Of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah. recently saw um, a clip in the Russian uh, media. They said something like, oh, Mariupol was not destroyed by, by the Russian army. It was destroyed by retreating Nazis. <laughs> and many people obviously seem to believe this. And um, how can you comment on that? Even if they don't believe it, they, it doesn't mean they believe what Western media is telling them. So, a short word, this war has to stop. Yeah, that <laughs> would be the best. <laughs> if, if the war was going to have been stopped by the Russian people rising up and protesting, that would have happened months ago. We know that's not going to happen, so we need to focus on the Ukrainians' fight. Great stuff, all three of you. Thanks very much for being here today. We've been discussing, uh, is NATO really threatening Russia? The three here at the table say no, I think. Thanks for joining us, and I look forward to seeing you next time around. Bye-bye. Cheers.